obviously it's 11-11 Veterans Day. Uh, thank you to everyone out there who served, who has family who served. A lot of people kind of sometimes I think gloss over the sacrifice that the loved ones that stay home make when their family's overseas and they're worried about them every day and stuff. So if you've even had family that's been over there, um, we appreciate your sacrifice and service. Um, thanks to everyone. It's a, it's a good day to remember the people that keep us safe every day. I know we have a lot of uh, troops and veterans that listen to this podcast. A lot of our birds of war, I know, have Kaka. served in the military. Kaka. Uh, so just know that we appreciate you. Happy Veterans Day. to It's Always Sunny in Chief's Kingdom. I'm Austin. It's a Friday afternoon on November 11th, Veterans Day. A special Veterans Day podcast. Find me on Twitter at RealBirdLawyer. I'm still there for now. The app still exists as of uh, Friday <laughs> afternoon. Sure. Uh, it's getting a little dicey in there. Uh, still unverified. Still out there. Still tweeting. That's still the best place to find us. Still the best place to find my co-host Taylor at Taylor underscore wit. What's going on, buddy? A lot. Um, number one, it's a good thing we have the podcast so that when Twitter does die, it's inevitable death. All you guys have to do is tune in here to figure out where we're going to be next. We can all meet up. We can all, whether that's Discord or MySpace or wherever it is we all collect after Twitter inevitably goes kaput, uh, you'll be able to know where to come. And secondly, shout out to my dog, 11th birthday on 11-11. Happy birthday, Russell. Oh, boy. Congratulations, Russell. Kaka. We're brought to you, as always, by the Pigskin Podcast Network at pigskincod.net. You can get your Always Sunny merch for a few more weeks at DadBodT, DadBodT.com. Check out our partners, DraftKings, Underdog Fantasy. You know, if you like winning money or if you don't mind losing money, which is a critical component of playing daily fantasy football, check them out. DraftKings Underdog Fantasy with Underdog. Use our promo code SUNNY, S-U-N-N-Y, to get a match on your deposit. What else have we got going on? Well, speaking of critical component, DK DraftKings has been a critical component of ours for our success of our podcast, keeping the lights on for uh, about six, seven, eight months now. And... We got some some notice, some feedback that throughout our entire Pigskin Podcast Network community, uh, the DK numbers have been down. Now, I made the observation to our TPPN uh, overlords that it's really hard to get new DraftKings uh, subscriptions when everyone's already seen the ad a million times and already signed up because they they love the new sign up. So if you're out there, if you want to support the pod, if you want to help us keep the lights on, if you do follow the mid-season or mid-episode uh, ad for DraftKings and go sign up with promo code TPPN. That helps us. Every single sign up helps. Everybody that uses that code helps support the pod. So uh, we would really appreciate that. Second housekeeping item we have is our signables giveaway. Very exciting little partner that we uh, found in signables that comes up with a very impressive looking football, flat football with a signature printed on it of your favorite athlete. Of course, we're giving away a Patrick Mahomes one. So all you have to do to enter to win that is tweet me at Taylor underscore wit, or if Twitter no longer exists, then we'll figure out a way for you to submit your entry. But your favorite, I want you to send me your favorite Patrick Mahomes memorabilia that you have. I will pick a winner out early December and send you that football, that replica football. And you can 
put it up in your man cave or your office. Um, Austin's got a great picture on Twitter. Go find that of, of his signable that, oh, yeah. that is up in your office. And uh, anyone who enters this that doesn't win also does get it's always sunny in chief's kingdom rewards points for entries for future giveaway contests. So even if you're not a winner, if you submit for our giveaways, you are putting your, your raffle ticket in for future giveaways. So please remember to do that. And uh, hopefully we can give one of you guys that um, cool signals. Somebody will win it. Uh, so, you know, hopefully your, your Twitter account will still exist. We'll have a way to contact you <laughs> again. You can always check us out on discord yeah, I think we'll probably be okay. You know, if you guys are really hitting that code hard, maybe we could buy Twitter in a couple of weeks. I there you know. go. I mean, the value is going way down. We could, uh, we could uh, turn that ship around. That's an investment. Buy it for forty-four dollars. Sure, right, exactly. We got a great show for you guys today. We're going to talk about news. We're going to talk about what is happening. We've got our recap of the Chiefs' thrilling overtime win over the Tennessee Titans on Sunday Night Football, along with a quick mailbag question from our guy Corey, the artist. Kaka! And we're going to close it out with a preview of this week's game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Let's kick it off with the. So looking at the injury report, we have the luxury of recording this on a Friday afternoon, which normally we do not. We've got the final injury report for the Chiefs after being limited throughout the week. Legereus Sneed, a limited participant on Thursday with a knee injury. He is not on the injury report on Friday. He is going to play. There is one player listed as questionable. That is running back Jarek McKinnon. He is limited or was limited on Friday. He is questionable for the game on Sunday with shoulder, knee, <laughs> and hamstring injuries. Head, shoulders, knees, and toes. Head, shoulders, <laughs> knees, and toes. This is the problem when you play Jarek McKinnon for more than 10 mm -hmm. snaps. He played 64 snaps, I believe, mm -hmm. on in the game on Sunday night. Uh, this is what happens. This yeah. is why Derek McKinnon is sort of a break glass in case of emergency type of running back. Chiefs had some emergency need for him on Sunday night with the way that the uh, running game was operating. We'll talk about that in the recap. He is limited. It's possible that he might be out of this game, officially questionable. And McCole Hardman is out of this game. He had an abdomen injury in that game on Sunday night, did not practice at all this week. He has been officially ruled out. Yeah, that's... um. You know, without uh, some depth at wide receiver, that might be a bigger deal, um, even though Hardman obviously hasn't lit the world on fire. He's been a valuable asset to the offense. He scored some touchdowns. He's been one of their big play guys. So it is going to hurt the offense. But as we will get into, um, fortunately, I think we have a candidate to step into his role and uh, see what he's got. As far as the McKinnon injury goes, that one, that, that looks like he got beat up quite a bit by that rough Tennessee Titans defense. Um, you know, he's only 5'9. He's he's 215 or so. So, I mean, definitely a guy that if you play him for 60 snaps against one of the most physical defenses in in the NFL, um, I'm not surprised to see that everything on his body hurts today. In other injury news, offensive lineman Lucas Niang, uh, nominally a right tackle, still on the pup list. He is continuing to work. Uh, he took the practice field for the first time last Wednesday, and he's still working. Andy Reid says he's, quote, working very hard, making progress. He's not there yet, but he's working at it. Are we going to see Lucas Niang in any capacity this year? I mean, eventually we presume he's coming off the pup list. Is he going to make it on the field? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's not like uh, he's got very much competition to make that right tackle spot. I think uh, Wiley's been – you know, showing that uh, you could certainly slot someone else in and see if it's any worse than what's been going on with the offensive tackles for the Chiefs. So, uh, yeah, I do. I do expect when Yang's healthy that he'll get some snaps. You know, I do want to uh, give a special shout out here in the injury report. We usually are talking about 
the Chiefs injuries, and you mentioned that the uh, the Titans are extremely physical. Yeah, but I uh, I did want to point out that the uh, the Chiefs gave much better than they got in this game. The Titans uh-huh. are playing our friends, the Denver Broncos, on Sunday, and they are going to be missing linebacker Zach Cunningham, outside linebacker Bud Dupree. Safety Armani Hooker, defensive tackle Jeffrey Simmons, mm. who's out with an injury to his pride after getting put <laughs> in the dirt by Patrick yeah. Holmes after and his jaw. And uh, defensive back Josh Thompson, all out on Sunday. They also have Christian Fulton, Kevin Strong, and of course Ryan Tannehill, also questionable. I guess we can't take credit for, for Ryan Tannehill's injury. But boy, uh, the Chiefs put the hurt on the Titans on Sunday night. And uh, for playing against one of the most physical teams in the NFL, it's noteworthy. It's interesting. It's cool. It's fun. Yeah. And what do you want to bet that the Titans at like 60% health capacity are still going to be able to play with and probably beat the Denver Broncos? I would be absolutely stunned even with them missing Simmons and Bud Dupree, you know, two of the, the cornerstones of their pass rush. If the Broncos score more than 14 points and not counting, you know, if they're able to scrape something together off of defensive, defensive, yeah. defensive scoring. Yeah, I would be shocked if the uh, Broncos were able to break out even against a reduced Titans team on Sunday. Let's talk about what is happening. So, boy, uh, there's always a lot going on in the NFL. And for those of you that haven't seen the Twitter thread, I know we have some people on here that don't see every tweet. I've been tweeting about this a lot, but I, I feel like I need to share this story with the podcast. I have a dynasty team. We're in a dynasty league together. Mm-hmm. And I discovered after uh, three or four weeks this year that my dynasty team has a curse upon it. You know, if you've listened to the pod that neither of us believe in curses, but at this point, the evidence is simply irrefutable. I started yeah. this season with, uh, with Matt Stafford and Carson Wentz. They were both, you know, pretty good last year. Uh, I also had, Trey Lance, you know, who the the uh, the 49ers gave up three picks to move up and select. You know, I thought dual threat quarterback and a Shanahan system. That's like young. That's like cheating, you know, like. Mm-hmm. So I had these three guys and I did not crack 13 points from the quarterback position for seven weeks in that time. Trey Lance broke his ankle. He's out for the year. Shattered it horrifically. He didn't just I mean, it, it was a it's a terrible injury. Carson Wentz put up 25 and 27 points on my bench before going into my lineup and putting up about seven points, Uh then putting up another stinker when I started him again and breaking his hand and going on injured reserve. Matt Stafford has not scored more than 17 points at any point this year. And he certainly has not scored 17 points in the lineup for me. I actually picked up off of waivers, Teddy Bridgewater and started Uh him in a game because the situation was so bad. That was the game where Teddy Bridgewater was knocked out with a concussion on the third play of the game. Yeah, zero, zero points. points for me. <laughs> so all this to say that I was well aware that my quarterback situation was fucked and not just like because of my bad decisions. I mean, I had three guys that I thought, you know, they're all NFL starters. It's a one quarterback league. You know, I, I could mix and match. I could make it work, you know. Yeah, you know, it's Slim Pickens out there in a dynasty league. Sure. Everyone's got 30 spots. It's not like you can go to the waiver wire and pick up any exactly. starting quarterback. I mean, you're exactly. yeah. And I thought I was going to be fine. I thought I was going to be fine. And when I realized that the team was cursed and that no matter what I did at quarterback, I came up with an inventive solution. And that solution was to trade for Josh Allen. And my trade logic was 
I did trade a lot for him. I got I got good value, I think. But I agree. But I just mean anyone out there who's wondering. Yes, he. Yeah, I I had to bought pay, it. I had to pay up for Josh Allen. But my logic was sound. It was I'm getting a top two fantasy quarterback in Dynasty, who's you know 26 years old, who's going to be great for 10 plus years. You know, no real injury history. Top tier, top tier talent. I have Stephon Diggs. Got the stack in there. You know, this was a. And and to be clear, I understood that I was operating with a curse upon my team. So when exactly. I acquired Josh Allen, I understood the possibility that he may also be cursed. And if that were to happen, while it would not benefit my fantasy team, which had to pay through the nose to acquire Josh Allen and would be, you know, stymied in its pursuit of a championship if Josh Allen were to miss significant time, I acquired Josh Allen. And then on Sunday, Josh Allen suffered a UCL injury to his elbow. He is currently day-to-day. He's hour-to-hour, according to Sean McDermott. Yeah, He has not practiced all week. He is officially questionable, but his elbow is, to some degree, fucked. It is, and might I say, not only did you acquire him and then the elbow situation happened, but he had two full games before the elbow situation happened in which he threw a total of four interceptions and lost two fumbles, and threw for 218 yards and 205 yards in those two games. So this was all pre-injury. So yes. you got him, and then not only was he not good on the field for those two games, and you know through two fourth-quarter interceptions against the Packers that kind of let the Packers pretend like they were still in that game, and then lost to the Jets, and then had the UCL injury. Yes. So the curse is alive. The curse is real. Everyone when Josh Allen struggles or misses time or anything bad happens to him at all on the football field, you have one man to thank for it. And that's our guy. I'm very conflicted about it. And to be clear, even though he was terrible in real life football, the last two weeks, like his two worst games of the year, he did score 19, which was his lowest output two weeks ago against the Packers. That was still the best performance by any quarterback on my team all year by six points Uh over Trey Lance in week one, who scored 13. So, you know, it still worked out for me. And even though he's terrible against the Jets, he put up 26 in a victory for you. But listen, this is a a cataclysmic injury, potentially, for the Bills. They lost the game, you mentioned, against the Jets. They actually have two losses in the division. They're 0-2. They've already lost to Miami. They've already lost to the Jets. And they're only a half game ahead of those two teams in the standings. They're 6-2 the Jets and the Dolphins are six and three. And so even though the Bills have a fairly easy schedule, even though they have what I would describe as a competent quarterback, who, by the way, I also have on my fantasy roster, Case Keenum. Yeah, sure. So as soon as he enters the game on Sunday, he's going to sizzle pop. He's going (laughs) to simultaneously, spontaneously, and simultaneously combust. All right. Simultaneously with Josh Allen's elbow, they'll just both just pop out of existence at the same time. Uh, I mean, this is a tough situation for the Bills and conversely, a very advantageous situation for the Chiefs. It is. Um, You know, the Bills, this was the one thing that stood in the way of their guaranteed success in the year. Now, that doesn't mean Super Bowl guaranteed, but like if Josh Allen's playing, they're going to win a bunch of games. They're going to win some playoff games. They're going to be right there, right there with the Chiefs and everyone else. But, you know, if Allen, even if he doesn't miss time as, as in missing games, if his elbow's not right, you know, if he's thinking about it when he's throwing, if he's wincing, if he's, if he, I mean, that's anything less than 100% Josh Allen's going to be trouble for the Bills. And we've seen 
him struggling now. He's got, like you said, the two teams that beat him. He's got them left. He's also got the Patriots twice, and they've been nasty on defense so far this year. I mean, that's clearly a team that you can't just pencil in the Bills beating. And I just feel I feel like the Bills, if I were a Bills fan right now, I would be dreading what's about to happen in the season, even if it doesn't come to pass, just based on their history and based on, you know, if your star quarterback has an injury like that every day. I remember when Pat got hurt, you know, first of all, not only at the game that we were at and we were worried about it sick constantly for every second, but then just the toe and the, you know, every time that you would talk about Pat, that it wasn't 100% health. You just think every game, like, goddamn, you know, like Cam Irving steps on his ankle and now he's got to deal with that the whole game. And like, it's just, it it limits him. It limits a superstar. And they're going to be in trouble if he is not 100% healthy in a hurry. Well, and I mean, poor went out for Bills fans because as horrible as the Mahomes injury was for us, we at least knew within 24 hours, like, here's what it is. Yeah. Here's the extent of the damage. Yeah. He's going to, he's going to miss a little bit of time, but he's not out for the year. He's, he's probably not going to be significantly reduced. I mean, it was an injury to his knee, so his arm was fine. You know, it's just a question of, you know, how quickly he could get back on the field and, you know, it, it might limit his mobility a little bit, but it wasn't going to affect his arm. I mean, there's, there's been nothing about this injury from Josh Allen. We don't know what grade of sprain even it is. We know that it's yeah. some kind of sprain there there's been i think at least one report that says there's like a small tear in there like we just don't know and there's been no real update he hasn't practiced this week we don't know what it's going to look like in the game he threw two passes after he heard it one he threw in the dirt the other he threw 70 yards in the air but we just don't have a baseline for like what's going on and man if i were a bills fan i just would be completely sick so yeah you know couldn't happen to a nicer fan base. I mean, I don't want to take shots at them because Josh Allen's a cool guy and he's fun to watch, but, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, speaking of just bizarre developments um, on Sunday, I guess technically on Monday, the Colts uh, fired Frank Reich, their head coach, and then Jim Irsay, the Colts owner, hired Jeff Saturday, a former center for the Indianapolis Colts, who was an ESPN analyst. And I think he was maybe coaching high school football. They were lucky to get him three years ago. He was like six and 10 in high school. Yeah. And they also at the same time, because Frank Reich was their play caller. Um, remember they recently fired their offensive coordinator who was not calling the plays a couple of weeks ago. They promoted their assistant quarterback coach parks, Frazier to play caller. And this all happened, uh, we're recording this on Friday, within the last five days. They play a game in two days. They're coming off of an absolute waxing in Foxborough. They're playing Sam Ellinger, who's a sixth-round pick quarterback. He's looked awful. Uh -huh. Their offensive line is terrible, even though it's the highest-paid offensive line in the league. Uh, boy, this is a, just a, a debacle. It's a mess on a ton of different levels. Um, number one, Jeff Saturday's lack of a resume has been probably the number one talking point of the whole operation. And yes, he was a star player for them. Uh, if you haven't ever seen Peyton Manning and Jeff Saturday arguing on the sidelines in a game about calling plays, just Google Peyton Manning, Jeff Saturday and, and watch the video. It's freaking hilarious. Peyton's destroying Saturday for calling plays as a center. Anyways, the the lack of a resume is a big deal. He's never called plays at the NFL level or any level. He's never coached past high school. And that was a I mean, he coached for like a year and was not good at it. And that was a couple of years ago. And then their staff now, 
like you said, you know, Parks Frazier has never called plays before, and they promoted him to calling NFL games on an, in a game that he's never done before coming up on Sunday against the Raiders. It's, it's going to be a disaster. A lot of people kind of are seeing this as a tank type of job by Ursay, and he just said, yeah, I know, you know, Saturday is not going to be able to really get the job done, but no one's going to fault me for it because he's beloved in the, in the team and everything. And then we'll go get a coach after we get the number one pick, whatever. I mean, whatever the, the plan is, it's certainly not hire the most qualified candidate because there were tons of them out there that didn't even get an interview. It's a, it's a bizarre situation and it's going to be must see TV on Sunday because they are playing the Las Vegas Raiders and the Las Vegas Raiders, in addition to now having lost three games this year where they had a 17 point or more lead, including last Sunday against the Jaguars who the chiefs will see this Sunday, which is an NFL record for a year already, already halfway through the season, they have blown more leads or as many leads as any team in NFL history. Darren Waller, their star tight end and Hunter Renfro, their wide receiver two. I mean, really the second best wide receiver on the team, probably after Devonte Adams, yeah. both going on IR. Linebacker Blake Martinez decides to retire yesterday. Uh, after leading them in be, tackles. <laughs> after leading them in tackles. This is going to be probably the most dysfunctional game in, in NFL, NFL history. history. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that for sure. Based on what McDaniels has done so far or, or not done with the two and six Raiders. I mean, they're already you know, an absolute tire fire without even facing a team that's never called NFL plays before that's having a sixth round quarterback. I mean, it, it is, it's going to be amazing that either of these teams can get a first down really can, can move the ball at all, can get anything accomplished. And I'm sure the Raiders will luck into a win here. I would, I would be beyond shocked if the Colts were able to pull off a victory, even without Waller and Renfro, but I mean, it's going to be as hollow of a victory. It's going to be the Raiders' third win, and they're going to feel like they're going to feel good about it, but they shouldn't at all. I mean, it's going to be a uh, you know movable force versus resistible yeah. object because yeah. the Colts have the 32nd ranked offense in the NFL <laughs> by DVOA, and the Raiders have the 32nd ranked defense no in DVOA. Oh yeah, that's, oh yeah, that's amazing. dude. It's going to be incredible. I'm ah. I'm going to be glued to my TV. I'm turning off Red Zone yeah. just to watch this game on Sunday afternoon. It's going to be incredible. Can't wait to see it. Your kicker's lining up for an onside kick. The chances of regaining possession are slim. The stakes are high and the tension is higher. Your pulse is racing. He kicks and you watch as the ball lands. Make every play feel this exciting with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, and their unbeatable offers. Right now, new customers can make any $5 bet and get $2,000 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. To make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Let's talk about the game that happened on Sunday Night Football. The Chiefs were hosting the Tennessee Titans at Arrowhead, both teams 5-2. and two. Chiefs were 14 points favorites in this game. I think the line actually crept up at one point to 14.5. That was because Vegas knew, as they always know, that Ryan Tannehill, despite taking flight to Kansas City, despite being listed as questionable, despite going on the field to warm up, did not start in this game, could not start in this game. That left third-round rookie quarterback Malik Willis in his second NFL start. 
Chiefs heavy favorites in this game and need overtime to get the job done because there's something about specifically the Colts and Titans. We, we can leave the Jags and the Texans out of this, but there's something about the AFC South. That's like the weird trickster division of the NFL where just weird shit happens and the games are bizarre. The Chiefs already lost a game to a Colts team that we just totally dunked on in the last segment and then struggled for most of this game. Yeah, and I would say the tight or the Texans, you know, they had they beat the Chiefs in Arrowhead the week after the Colts beat them in Arrowhead in 2019. And then the Texans had them up 24-0 in the playoffs. So they're oh, certainly yeah, they've true. got some juice against the against the Chiefs themselves. Now both of those games were with Deshaun Watson. So we'll see if they ever have any juice again. But you're absolutely right. These AFC South teams, specifically for sure, the Colts and Titans, the Colts for as long as you know Chiefs fans can remember, and then Certainly the Titans have had Andy Reid's number. They've they've had Chiefs' number for a while now, and this was no different. This was one of those games where it just felt like it was harder than it's ever than it ever normally is for the Chiefs in any other circumstance, and they just weren't executing the way they should. It was definitely it was definitely an AFC South game for sure. Let's talk about the numbers, the figures, and then we'll get into the Chiefs system so we can kind of dissect this game a little bit more. We'll pick our awards. But I just wanted to throw some stats at you. First, uh, we're going to do a little bit of like a, it's almost like a compliment sandwich kind of format here uh, where we bury the the negative ones here in the middle. Trent McDuffie, positive. He's like the the bread. And then I guess whatever's in the middle of the sandwich is gross. Uh, 45 coverage snaps into his career has yet to allow a catch. Now, now, I understand that this was against Malik Willis and the Tennessee Titans wide receivers who we lambasted on the preview show last week because they are objectively awful. Their leading receiver had like 230 yards coming into that game. And Malik Willis couldn't hit the broadside of the barn. However, however, uh, our guy, Dan Harms was breaking down the tape. I know a friend of the show, Seth Kaiser was breaking down the tape really. I mean, those guys, despite their lack of talent and their lack of a quarterback, they weren't going to get anything done against Trent McDuffie. He I'm sorry. I have to say, I thought you were going to say Dan Harms and Seth Kaiser had lack of talent, but then you, because you said those guys, despite their lack of talent. And I was like, what? And then, okay, sorry. That was just Whoa, a, okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. Had Put to point that out. <laughs> uh, per next-gen stats, this is this is a little bit of a downer. This is the, the shit and the shit sandwich. Uh, Patrick Mahomes' interception in the third quarter uh, off of the hands of Travis Kelsey had an 82.1 completion probability. That is his ninth interception <sighs> since the start of 2021 <sighs> with a completion probability of more than 75%. That is three more than any other quarterback in the NFL. So he has nine. Nobody else has more than six. And seven of the nine, including this one, have hit the intended receiver in the hands. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, like, we'll talk about Travis. I know you have him lined up for one of your awards, and I think regular listeners of the show can guess which one. Sure. I, I mean, I'm not going to blast Travis Kelsey for this, right? It was a mistake. Right. He he bowled his helmet afterwards. He was yes. obviously he was obviously very frustrated. Yes, he, was. he gave a hilarious recounting of that on the New Heights podcast this week. Go check that out if you haven't yet. Where uh, uh -huh. you know he was he was saying like, oh, it didn't count because I wasn't on the field, and you know it, it didn't count. And you know Jason was like, oh, you were on the field, and he's like, yeah, I was on the field, and he's like, but but it was a timeout. It didn't count because it was a timeout. So, I don't know. He's anyway. had. Pat's had 22 picks since the start of 2021, but in postseason and, you know, that full season, half of this season, 
And of those 22, nine of them have had an 80 or 75% completion probability and seven hit the receiver in the hands. Like, I mean, I mean, exasperating. It is what it is. At least it's not as bad as it was last year. This is, this is. Yeah, this is the first time this year. This is the first time this year that I can recall. But um, we've got one from Shul Capadio with The Athletic. The Chiefs are the only team in the NFL this year with an above-average EPA per drive. That's expected points added in every single game this season. So even though they struggled against uh, tough Tennessee Titans defense that always gives them trouble on Sunday night, still managed an above-average EPA per drive in that game, and they have in every single game this season. I'm going to let you handle this last one. You you kind of have uh, pulled these up, wanted to discuss these. Yeah, so the Chiefs had two fourth down situations in this game, and we'll start off with the good news, which is that they went two for two and converted both. Then I just want to talk with you. We'll talk through both scenarios, what you would think if you were a coach and kind of if you agreed with Andy, because I'm not sure if I do. I really am. I'm on the fence about it, but – We'll start with the first scenario, fourth and one, Chiefs 45-yard line, tied at 17 with a minute left, a minute one left in the fourth quarter. The Chiefs do decide to go for it. They run the ball up the middle with Clyde. They get two yards. They get the first down. Now, game situation-wise, you're tied with a team that hasn't that's had one first down since five minutes left in the second quarter. The, the Titans absolutely have not been able to move the ball. You're at your 45-yard line, and Randy Bullock's got a decently big leg, which means... If you go for this and you get stuffed at the line, you don't get the first down. The Titans have one minute and Derrick Henry to pick up seven yards to be in field goal range or so, not even a full first down. Like they they would barely have to push the ball the other direction in order well, to Well, I mean, it. from the 45, that's a 62-yarder, right? Uh, yeah, so, right? I mean, seven I mean, yards from that's 55. Well, but, I mean, even a 62-yarder is technically oh. – Make you, I thought you were saying they were out of field goal. Absolutely, you're right. I, they I mean, literally, they, they could didn't, have kicked it on first down and had a chance <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Right, to right. win the game. So the thinking there, now, the reason that this is in the numbers, the figures, is because Ben Baldwin uh, has a bot that goes for goes through all the game scenarios and tells you whether the, the numbers, the analytics say if you should go for it or not. And that recommendation was, you better do this. And it was... It was one where it was a plus 11.6 win probability by going for it versus punting. Now, the bot doesn't really, as far as I understand, have things in mind like the opposing offense that game. I mean, it's 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 time, distance, score. It's, it's all the things that you can box score or analyze, which is great. And we do that kind of stuff all the time. But I do think that in this case, the bot was a little misguided because of how much the Chiefs defense had completely been shutting down the Titans offense. So I put this to you then. Do you agree with the decision to go for it, regardless of the fact that they got it, just the, in a vacuum going for it in that situation? I actually can't attest because I did uh, tweet this in, in real time that I was in favor of going for it. So I did think it was a go, and I would push back against what you're saying slightly because, I mean, on the one hand – going to overtime is a safe play. That's what you're doing if you're 
punting the ball. Like there's no chance the Titans come down with a minute left on the clock nope. and, and go the, the no. length of the field to get into field goal range and walk right. it off. There's no chance of that. So that's the safe play. And then, you know, if you go to overtime, you're the better team. You have been in the second half and the last couple of drives before the end of the game have been moving the ball. Titans have not been moving the ball at all. The odds of them scoring a touchdown on you are pretty low, but you've always got the chance that they win the toss and, you know, Derrick Henry gets to the second level and sure. lose the game. Sure. What made this decision remarkable is the decision, the play call itself. Sure. Uh, at the time that that happened, because I also retweeted this in real time, so I have this record preserved forever and always. Uh, this is this is what the Chiefs' uh, running production had looked like. Isaiah Pacheco had five rushes for five yards, which is an average of one yard per carry. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had four rushes for five yards, which is 1.2 yards per carry. Ooh. Michael Burton and Jarek McKinnon each had one rush for zero yards, which yeah. obviously is an average of zero yards per carry. And the Chiefs elected to run the ball in that situation with Clyde Edwards-Alaire against a very tough Titans front. And it worked. It worked. I mean, like, I, I think that, you know, the worst case scenario there, there is a chance that you lose the game. And I guess you're really weighing how likely are you to lose in that scenario and not necessarily how likely you are to win either in regulation or in overtime, because it really is just a matter of keeping the Titans off the board. Right. And yeah, you know, Randy Bullock's got a big leg, but he's not, he's not a great kicker. If it was Justin Tucker, right. Like that, sure. you, you, there's absolutely no way that you, sure. that That's you go for it there. Right. Because he's already in range uh, to walk that off. But, I was in favor of going for it. I'm glad that the bot supports that decision. It was uh, it was making some unusual choices um, on Sunday night, but I was in favor of going for it. The Chiefs did go for it, and they did get it, and they didn't end up winning the game in regulation anyway. So then, and right, they did, after they got that, they went three and out and punted the ball back anyway, so it didn't end up gaining them anything. That's the other thing I was thinking about also is like, okay, so you, you got the fourth and one, but then it didn't help. Sure, you get it, but you yeah, still right. have to – get into field goal range. But then the second scenario is one that I agree with a little bit more. Um, I said at the time I would have gone for it. Thinking back on it, I was like, shit, really? But like this was fourth and one from the 13 yard line. You're tied at 17 in overtime with five minutes left in overtime. Pass to Juju Smith-Schuster, two yards, first down. The Chiefs, much like the last fourth down conversion, then go three and out and kick the field goal anyway. So again, both of these decisions, while they converted the fourth down, they ended up kicking three plays later after they didn't do anything with their next set of downs. But game scenario there is obviously a little bit different. If you miss that from the Titans' 13-yard line, the really the thing I would worry about is the tie. I would worry that the Titans would sure. use a lot more of the clock and give the ball back to you with a minute to go or whatever, and you would have to scream your ass down the field in order to get a field goal to tie. But that's still not a doomsday scenario. It's just like, God, it would be annoying if they tied after this. But if you get it, obviously with the way the Chiefs move the ball, most times if you're at fourth and one from the 13, you get the first down, the Chiefs then are going to go ahead and, and punch that thing in. So I do... I do understand the thinking on the second one. I thought the second one was a better decision than the first one in general. Uh, where were your thoughts on the fourth and one from the 13? hundred percent go. Uh, I was definitely a go in that situation. And we don't have the benefit of the bots input yes. there because overtime is a strange situation. You can't really create a bot to account for the overtime rules with, 
you know, the alternating sudden death and coin toss and everything like that. Yeah. And there's also just not as much data. So it's, it's harder to predict. And, you know, with the changes in the overtime rules recently, like you just, you don't have as much information to create the bot off of, but mm -hmm. I mean, the worst case scenario, if you get it is exactly what happened to the chiefs, which is they then do not pick up another yard and end up kicking a short field goal. And then the Titans had to go the length of the field and kick a field goal to tie or, you know, a touchdown to win. If you don't get it, I mean, you're right. I mean, I think the, the problem is you're looking at a possible tie. You probably are only going to get the ball one more time. And definitely if you don't, five if you minutes, don't score yeah. with, I mean, with five minutes left, plus whatever they're able to run off the clock, mm -hmm. even if they don't even pick up a first down, I mean, mm -hmm. you've got a couple of timeouts in overtime, but they had already used one timeout immediately prior to this. So they could only stop the clock one more time. I, I mean, I understand the decision to go for it. Uh, in the end, it worked out because the Titans did get the ball back with a chance to, you know, tie with field goal or win with the touchdown and, and picked up negative 16 yards. But well, let me bring this up then. So if you kick there from fourth and one at the 13, which they ended up kicking a couple yards closer than that anyway, but you're still very confident in your defense. You're still right. very confident that Malik Willis is not going to drive the length and even kick a game tying field goal, let alone a touchdown to beat you. Right, right. So that's where on that second one, just take the points. Just put your defense out on the field and win the game. Just just sure. get it over with now. Don't risk not getting the points. Don't risk any, you know. But then again, Butker had missed two kicks. So even though you're at the 13, that's a 30-yard field goal. That's basically an extra point. He missed already those missed in the game. Point. Right, so, exactly. like, maybe they were – maybe part of the not going for it in that situation or part of the going for it in that situation was a little bit of apprehension that they didn't necessarily feel good about Butker going out there. So, in the end – it's fine. They just won the game. Uh, they didn't blow either of those fourth downs, but it was. I just felt like that was always. I like the football discussion there of of you know going for it or not. It's always fun. I mean, at the end of the day, I am almost never going to be upset about the Chiefs going for it with Patrick Mahomes in the game. Now they they did run the ball in one of those two plays. I, I again like the idea of running Clyde Edwards-Helaire up the middle <laughs> with the way that the Chiefs run a game. I'm glad that it worked. I, I guess uh, had they only needed worked, a yard, they, that I mean, certainly would have, you know, I, I would have maybe questioned that play call, especially when you have the ability to run a quarterback sneak. But mm -hmm. let's talk about the chief system, buddy. What you got? Sure. So the chief system for everyone who doesn't, who isn't aware, this is the system that the chiefs almost always put themselves in before they end up pulling out the victory. And that is of course, C create drama, H handle adversity. I inspire hope E engage physically F finish strong S separate entirely. So there are events in this game that very neatly fall into this category as they usually do. We'll start with create drama. I mean, where do you begin on that? Kelsey sure. drops a pass that gets picked. The Titans kick a field goal to go up 17 to nine. And it was nine because Butker had missed a 47 yard field goal with five minutes left in the third and an extra point. So the chiefs did same similar stuff they did against the Colts earlier where they're missing kicks. They're not executing. They're not moving the ball. And the other team is getting some fortunate bounces and breaks. And next thing you know, the chiefs find themselves down eight points with uh, five minutes left in the third quarter. So they created plenty of drama for themselves, but of course handle adversity. So the chiefs get the ball back with 10 minutes left in the game, still down eight and they go on a 13 play 93 yard game tying drive where Patrick Mahomes, while he picked up some yardage with his arm, really did the bulk of his damage on third down runs. He had a third down conversion with his legs on third and 17 for 20 yards. That was as vintage Mahomes, where he's not burning past you like Lamar Jackson. He's just kind of 
running around and no one's able to touch him. I mean, it was very similar to the Titans uh, touchdown run in the AFC championship game where he's not blowing you off the field with his speed, but he just knows where to go. He's unbelievable. And then third and nine from the 14 yard line, have to have it, have to move. You're down eight. So even if you probably don't get nine yards here, the chiefs are probably going for that at that point, but they get more than nine. They get all 14 again, off of Mahomes' legs, scrambles to the right side, jukes Jeffrey Simmons out of his jock, and then scoots into the pylon. Then after two egregious holds on the Titans, yes, Titans fans, they were horrible hold calls. You cannot bear hug Travis Kelsey and expect to get away with it on the two-point conversion. They had two of those in a row, so the Chiefs had the ball from the half-yard line. Pat runs around. They probably are knocking more guys down on the two-point conversion. He just says, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to take it in myself. He goes left pylon takes the ball in for the two-point conversion, and basically puts the team on his back, handles the adversity himself. He figures if no one else is capable of doing it, I'm going to go ahead and do it myself. We are so blessed. And then, inspire hope, we're going to go to the other side of the ball, and that's the chief fence, baby. The chief fence, from 3.55 left in the second quarter until the end of overtime, until the end of the game, these are the Titans' drives in this game. Three plays, one yard. Three plays, seven yards. Three plays, eight yards. Three plays, negative two yards. Three plays, six yards. Five plays, actually picked up a little first down there, eight yards. Three plays, negative four yards. Three plays, zero yards. Four plays, negative 16 yards. Game over. The defense was as locked in, loaded. I, I mean, they obviously Malik Willis had a lot to do with that. He struggled quite a bit, but they were unbelievable. And then engage physically. You've got the E. I gave this to Nick Bolton. Nick Bolton was the with the hit on the night of Dontrell Hilliard that may have won the game after a Chiefs punt from their own end zone. The Titans took the ball over from the 50. They got their only first down that I mentioned above in their final nine drives on this drive. He had a third and nine, or the, the Titans had a third and nine from the Chiefs' 38-yard line. Now, Bullock, who we mentioned earlier, from the 38, you know, 55-yarder, that's, uh, that's plenty, plenty in his range. And uh, instead, they dump it off to Hilliard. It's read perfectly by Nick Bolton. He slams into him for a loss of four, and now you're looking at a bomb, and they decide to punt the ball. So defensive play of the game, I think when you're down eight with that little time left, if the Titans do make a field goal there, even if the Chiefs then go down and and work their magic and score eight, I mean, you're still hard-pressed to get the ball back. So great play by Nick Bolton to engage physically. Of course, finish strong. I'm going with the Noah Gray catch. This is third and one. From the Tennessee 49 in overtime, Mahomes deep middle to Noah for 22 yard or for 27 yards down to the 22. He taps the ball, he high points it. He's coming down. It's it's, it's a the ball's free concentration comes down with it. Absolutely, the Chiefs had to have it. Mahomes with a nice little play on the right sideline. He danced away from pressure. He stepped forward. He he threw it up there where only his guy can get it. Just an unbelievable play by the MVP. Unbelievable play by Noah Gray to finish strong in the overtime drive. And then, of course, you've got separated entirely. The final drive of the game by the Titans, you know, they could have marched down the field, ripped the hearts out of the Chiefs. They absolutely could have. Um, Hell, even a tie would have been devastating given the performance of the Titans' offense all game. But instead... And the fact that the Chiefs are 14-point favorites in this game. (laughs) And the fact that they shouldn't even be in overtime in the first place. But... They ran for Henry, went for a yard on first down. So then they said, okay, I guess uh, I guess we're going to have to try and throw this ball. And the Chiefs sacked Willis on two consecutive plays for a total of 17 yards lost. And on plays where he was running around and running around and there was just nobody there. And then the Chiefs defense um, corralled him. And then on fourth and 26th, 
Legereus Need almost picks it off, but ends up breaking up a short pass that wouldn't have gone for a first down anyway. And the Chiefs separate entirely and win the game. Boy, it uh, always works, doesn't it? Um, the Chiefs system. And here we are with another win. Let's turn to our awards. And for those of you who are not familiar with how we do this segment, these are always sunny inspired as well. We've got our five-star men. We've got our trash men. I'm the trash man. I come out, I throw trash all over the, all over the ring. And then I start eating garbage. We've got our wild cards. Wild card, bitches! Yeah! I'm going to let you start off with your five-star man selection. Who do you have? I have five-star men in this selection, Ooh. and that is the secondary. That is LeJarius Sneed, Trent McDuffie, and Joshua Williams. They absolutely shut down the Titans receivers. Now, again, I know Robert Woods and Nick Westbrook and Keene, and I mean, they're not – not much to uh, to write home about, but they are NFL wide receivers. They could have easily gotten open, and Malik Willis could have just thrown them a, a prayer, and something big could have happened. And in fact, there were you know a couple that they tried. They tried some bombs. They tried to go to. It's not like they never were targeted, but the Chiefs' cornerbacks and safeties and their whole secondary were all over these receivers in this game. I mean, clearly, when your wide receivers don't have a catch for an entire game, that is a outlier NFL defensive performance. So five stars to everyone wearing a Chiefs helmet playing in the secondary on Sunday. Um, I'm going to take the obvious choice. Thank you for leaving that to me. I'm going to take welcome. Patrick Mahomes. He was unbelievable in this game. And I understand that, you know, you put up 20 points in overtime against a team that you were favored to beat and the Chiefs dominated defensively after the first couple of drives of the game. But you talked about the adversity that the Chiefs uh -huh. created for themselves in this game. And boy, um, how about having Patrick Mahomes throw the ball 68 times, which is the fourth most attempts in a single game in NFL history, uh, completing 43 for 446 yards, obviously had the interception, which was not his fault, had the touchdown, had the rushing touchdown. And listen, I mean, we talk a lot about Josh Allen as a runner, and people like to say, Josh Allen can do everything that Patrick Mahomes can do, but Patrick Mahomes can't do everything that Josh Allen does, which number one, physically, I mean, we're talking about physically. We're not talking about mentally. We're not talking about how they read defenses. Mm -hmm. First of all, it's not true. No, but second of all, I mean, it really diminishes Patrick Mahomes effectiveness as a runner. Now he's not as big as Josh Allen. That is correct. He is not physically as imposing as Josh Allen is, but he rushed for 63 yards in this game on six attempts when the rest of the team combined to rush for 14 yards on 14 attempts. Yeah. They averaged one yard per carry and he averaged over 10 <laughs> yards per carry with a long of 20, the longest, the second longest run by anybody on the team on Sunday was Clyde Edwards Lair with three yards and Jarek McKinnon, who also had a three yard rush yeah. and you know, that ability to extend plays and make plays with his legs, it's its its being able to get outside the pocket and unlike Malik Willis, you know, I mean, no, no knock on the guy, but, you know, you get outside the pocket and you don't have a purpose. Like, okay, I, yeah. I got away from the first guy. It's like escaping. Yeah. But now what do you do? Yeah. Whereas Mahomes, I mean, we, we talk about it every week, but what really separates him from every other player in the NFL and this – plays into both his ability as a passer and his ability as a runner. And I think separates him from everybody, including Josh Allen, just his ability to process 
everything that's happening on a football field instantly and instantly know what he's going to do next. And not only, you know, what his next move is going to be, but what his next move is after that and the next move after that. And Uh when this guy moves this direction, this is where I'm going to go. This is how I'm going to throw the ball. This is where I'm going to place the ball. We see it in every game, but there are some games where because the opponent is presenting him with unique challenges, he elevates his game to another level. And that's what we saw on Sunday. It it really was. I mean, we, we saw all kinds of highlight reel plays. There were, there were a lot of issues up front. I'm sure we'll talk about that in the next segment, uh-huh. but I mean, there were several plays where he just didn't have a chance. I mean, he's got one of the lowest sack percentages in the league. He still was sacked four times in this game and the four sacks really, I mean, they just were plays where there was instant penetration. He had nowhere to go with the ball and he just had to eat a sack. Right. Right. And, right putting the Chiefs in disadvantageous down in distance situations. He overcame all of that against a defense that was 10th in the league in DVOA, first against the run, completely stonewalled the Chiefs and made them one-dimensional. And again, I mean, we talked about the way that the Titans engage physically with us and uh, seem to get away with that more often than not. I mean, there just was nothing was working in this game for three and a half quarters and the Chiefs won anyway because of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. What's crazy about his, his ingenuity, like you were saying, when, when he's, when the play is live, there is not only is there no one better at coming up with the chess move and saying, okay, you're going to do this. So I'm going to counter with this, but the, the processing power also lets him analyze things in a moment and come up with something that he's never thought of before. So it's like, you know, I think about like the best chess players, when they do their their moves and their counters and all that, that it's stuff that they've practiced and that they've they know every single scenario on a chessboard and they know the counter for it and that's great. But what Mahomes can do is he comes up with new ways on the fly while he's running for his life from gigantic NFL defensive players and comes up with okay, I've never really practiced this throw before or this whatever, but I'm going to go ahead and, and zip it in there like this. It's just his creativity is second to none and that's one of the many things that he could do that Josh Allen cannot do and the running is one where when he's scampering around he's just now Nick Wright called him this week the most effective rushing quarterback in NFL history Correct. And he, he's he said all apologies to Lamar Jackson Michael Vick Josh Allen anyone who has who is very skilled at running the football but those quarterbacks a have designed runs for them where they, when they start to play, they know absolutely I'm going to run this ball right. and I've got blocking that's set up to do that. And I've got, uh, we've set the defense up to, to look for something else here, blah, blah, blah. Not only is Mahomes never looking to run ever, they never snap the ball and he thinks I'm going to peel off over here and, and go take off down the field. But when he does decide to run, he always gets the first down. Always. He is as reliable of an attempted runner to go pick up something and him doing it as I've ever, ever, ever seen a quarterback that includes all the guys that run all the time, because obviously you're not going to pick up if you picked up the first down every time and you ran all the time, you'd be completely unstoppable. And those guys are not unstoppable. So Mahomes has the arm stuff. He has the legs. He has the head. He, he just he's he's a gift. I love him so much. I just wanted to add, I missed this one when I was putting together the numbers, the figures, but I, I always, whenever we're talking about this, I like to go and look at uh, Bobby Stroop's Twitter, his trainer. He blocked me or I'd love to. 
No, yeah, that's right. Friendly fire. And uh, we've been unsuccessful in getting Bobby to unblock Taylor. Uh, for those of you that want to contribute to that cause, I've tried a couple of times. I've not been successful. He's a busy guy. I'm sure it just gets lost in the wash. But he retweeted uh, a couple of days ago a next-gen stat that I missed until just now when you were talking about this. And on that play to Noah Gray, where the Chiefs had third and one, you know, do or die in overtime and completed a 27-yarder to Noah Gray, or at least uh, I think it was actually 31 yards, 27 yards in the air. Patrick Mahomes scrambled 26 and a half yards before he threw the ball on that play. And since 2018, which obviously is when he became a starter, he's thrown for 869 yards when he scrambles 20 plus yards on a play. No. Since 2018. And the next closest guy is Josh Allen, who, to be fair, uh, didn't start until I guess he did start. He, he did was start. playing. He yeah, he just play. sucked. He was terrible. He was, yeah. he was bad as a rookie. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen is second. He has 515. So Mahomes has 354 more yards Jesus. than Josh Allen on plays where he's scrambling 20 plus yards before he throws the football. So whether he's keeping it, whether he's throwing it, he is a special, special player. We saw it again on Sunday. We're so privileged. And it inspired a question from our guy, Corey, the artist chief. Ka-ka! Question for the pod. Given the Chiefs' remaining schedule, which game stands out as a possible another, that's as in an additional one to Sunday, over by dead body game for Pat? Uh, certainly a term coined by the great, late, sadly, Therese Paler. An over my dead body game. We saw one on Sunday night. I have two nominations for this. And again, I think it goes back to what I was saying. We've talked about this dozens of times on the show. You know, it's, it's all about the quality of the competition. And mm-hmm. the Chiefs don't have a lot of competition in the second half of the season. Fortunately, the schedule eases up quite a bit, but I think there's two possibilities. They have to travel to Los Angeles to play the Chargers, and they have to travel to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. And I think the challenges here are not so much posed by the opposing defenses. They certainly are not going to limit the Chiefs the way the Titans always seem to do. But both of those teams have quarterbacks that when they're at their best, can match Mahomes almost throw for throw. And those are the games where the quarterback, our quarterback has to be the difference in the game. And obviously I think Cincinnati is a great nomination because (laughs) we have a history and I know Patrick Mahomes more than any other person on this earth feels the weight of those two losses last year to Cincinnati at the end of the year that cost them the buy. And in the AFC championship game where he played his worst half of football in his life in the second half of that game in overtime, you know, Los Angeles, uh, I, I would put that as the lesser possibility too, just because the chargers have not shown at any point this year that they're really capable of. But, you know, when you look at, I mean, for me, Justin Herbert, it's always that game, the last game of regular season last year where he converted all those fourth downs against the Raiders, you know, put the team on his back uh, and tried to get the back into that game. He's capable of it. And Joe Burrow certainly is capable of it. So I think those would be my nominations. If I had to pick one, I'd say at Cincinnati. Yeah, I think at Cincy's a slam dunk there. Um, anytime you defeat Mahomes in a high leverage situation, I mean, you know that's all he's thinking about. You know that's – I mean, really, the the Chargers, despite a couple wins against the Chiefs in the regular season, they've never ripped the Chiefs' hearts out. Ever. Correct. They, right. They've never done to the Chiefs what the Bengals did. And so there's just – if you're going to – if you're going to predict one game where Mahomes says, no matter what happens, I'm coming out of this place with a win. To me, that's at Cincy and it's not really close. Yeah. 
Let's talk about our trash men, and I will go first. I don't have a lot to add to what we've already discussed. We've yeah. talked at length about the rushing productions game. I'm picking the running backs. I mean, there wasn't a lot of room for them to run in this game, but boy, you just have to be able to be more productive running the football than the Chiefs have been, especially, you know, I mean, they still won this game. And to be clear, I'm not suggesting that the Chiefs should run more. That's mm-hmm. what Eric Bieniemy's proposed solution was to the Chiefs being bad at running the ball. It was just if we do more of it, if we do enough of it, Yikes. then then I feel like it'll be okay. No, don't do that. They made you one dimensional on Sunday. That that was a bummer. You still beat them and you know lean into the past in those situations. But boy, I mean the running backs just have to be better. It'll be interesting to see if we see Ronald Jones at any point. I'm not sure that he's going to change anything, but you know, with Jerick McKinnon questionable and you know having three injuries that he's battling right now, maybe maybe we'll see our first Ronald Jones. They they were not good on Sunday. The running backs. Yeah, I do think that giving McKinnon a rest week this week and just seeing what Ronald Jones has, just seeing if he's going to go out there and run angry and try and you know show the Chiefs that they were wrong for having him deactivated every game this year, whatever the motivation would be. I mean, I think that would potentially work um but they they have an opportunity this week to uh to not make jerk mckinnon go out there and and run with everything in his body hurting uh my trash men are gonna be the tackles and we've talked much like the running backs at length about this um on this show but they were not good they were especially orlando brown i thought that he got beat constantly consistently just didn't just looked overmatched in this game um, Wiley also did not play a great game and, you know, I just felt like they, they've struggled all year and they haven't really gotten the, uh, the trash man ire the way that I think they should have, but the chiefs offensive tackles are a weak spot on their team, possibly their weakest spot on the roster. And they need better, they need better production. They need better production out of both spots and if that's Lucas Yang coming into right then that's great if that's Orlando Brown moving on next year and, and they were not going to get any better until they get someone else in there then so be it but I'm sick of the tackles let's uh move on to our wild cards don't have anything to add to the tackle situation it's a it's kind of a bummer and you know that was just Tennessee's one of those teams that they just they just know how to beat yeah your offensive line and they yeah. just they seem to they're really work, yeah. they, yep. they know what they're doing uh, my wild card is Kadarius Tony. Uh, he had two targets in this game. He caught both of them uh, for a total of 12 yards. He had a 10-yard reception there, and then I think a two-yard reception in there. I mean, listen, wild cards are capable of anything. I think Kadarius Tony, on his very limited looks, demonstrated that. He did not, obviously, having you know a little over a week to prepare for this game, didn't play a whole lot of snaps. Uh, I'm just checking here to look and see. He had um, was it nine? I think from yep, that's right. Nine nine snaps in this game, uh, which was nine percent of the offensive snaps. Chiefs had a hundred offensive snaps. Jesus, in this game. <laughs> uh, but you know, nine snaps, two targets is a pretty good ratio considering that he wasn't out on the field. And I don't know that he ran a route on all nine of those snaps. I'd have to go back and look at the tape. I haven't done that, but you know, one of those two, he put a guy in a blender. And got open against man coverage. And that's what he's good at. You know, he showed some very slick, nasty moves in the short field to create some space and get himself open for that reception. He also put a guy in the ground uh, when he was blocking on one of those snaps. So he he definitely did not run eight routes in this game because at least one of those plays he was out run blocking and put a guy in the ground. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, The fact that the Chiefs didn't actually pick up any yardage on that play is not really his fault, right? You know, he was doing his his work. But look, I mean, I think the early returns on him were encouraging. Uh, Obviously, the fact that McCole Hardman is going to be out on Sunday and he's had an extra week to prepare, we could see more of him on Sunday. And I'm all about it. I mean, like, I think that he he came out of the game healthy. You know, he played nine snaps after, you know, a week to prepare. He got open a couple of times and he got the ball. And I think that is he's obviously not a five-star man. It's like an incomplete grade, right? Like he didn't, yeah. he only played nine snaps, but they were positive. I don't have any, <laughs> the only downside, the wild card aspect here is that we didn't see very much of it, but what yeah. we did see uh, certainly uh, gels with the uh, wild card format. Yeah, he is literally capable of anything. I mean, it's the, it's the sky's the limit type of positive twist on the wild card where you watch Kadarius Tony and you think like, okay, this guy could be, he could be a problem for NFL defenses. Um, my wild card is Travis Kelsey, and, you know, obviously um, he's still Travis Kelsey. He still had 10 catches for 100 yards, 106 yards, uh, but he was targeted 17 times, so that means seven of those did not go uh, the Chiefs' way, including the ball off the hands that went for the interception. He just – I know he was physically exhausted in this game. I know that the Titans did everything they could to chip and block and beat him up and make sure that they were – you know, all up in his business. And I'm sure that contributed heavily to just the old guys. He he, he doesn't quite have the, the juice to uh, sure. play through that type of stuff like he would have when he was 26, but he is a battler and he's the goat and he's incredible. Um, the wild card obviously is because you still would rather have Travis Kelsey than any other tight end. And frankly, almost any other pass catcher in the NFL. He's incredible. But this night he was uh, a little, little iffy at times. Tied Rob Gronkowski for the most 100-yard games by tight end in NFL history with 32, yep. and yep. he will probably break that this next week. We'll uh, we'll see how that goes. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about Week 10. We're already there. Uh, week 10 of the NFL calendar. It's outrageous that we're already in November. Agreed. And we're a week and a half away from Thanksgiving, and the Chiefs are playing really the only team in the AFC South that isn't a well-established trickster team when it comes to the chiefs, the Jacks, the Jacks somehow are, are six and seven against the chiefs. The chiefs have a narrow edge in the all time series against the Jacksonville Jaguars, but the chiefs have won five straight in this matchup. They last played them in week one of 2019 in Jacksonville, which you should remember as the D game of Sammy Watkins life. And the game of his career as a chief, other than the the play in the Super Bowl against Richard Sherman to set up that amazing first down when the Chiefs were driving to take the lead in Super Bowl Fifty Four, this was like this was like the the game, yeah. and and Sammy Watkins for the touchdown in the AFC Championship game, but it was sure like of course Super of course. Bowl highlight, yeah, AFC Championship game highlight, and yeah. then this game against the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> where Tyree Kill got hurt and he went off. Mahomes has played them one other time. It was in 2018. That was when the Chiefs were, you know, coming off of their first loss in the Mahomes era against the Patriots. They were riding that high. Patrick Mahomes was playing unbelievably. The Jags were coming off of their AFC Championship game appearance with Blake Bortles the year before and also were riding high. Great defense. Uh, Telvin Jink or Telvin, Telvin, Tevin, Telvin, Tevin, Tevin. Uh, Tevin. Yeah. Wasn't it Tevin Jink? Tevin there's Jenkins like a, doesn't sound right. There's like a Telvin Jenkins, a Tevin Smith. <laughs> Gosh, I literally like I knew exactly who this person was 45 minutes ago when we were going to do this. Wow, it is podcast. Telvin Smith. Telvin Smith. Telvin Smith. 
Yeah. Is there, Tevin, Jen- is there Tevin a Jenkins? Is there a Tevin Jenkins or Tevin Smith? Can you look that up while, yeah. while I'm yeah, talking? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Tevin, Carrington. T-E-V-E-N. Tevin Jenkins is an offensive tackle. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, All right. He's a bear. Uh, Carrington Harrison uh, pointed out that since that game, you know, he came out and they asked him during the week, you know, are you bothered by the fact that the chiefs are getting all this hype? And he did the whole, it's funny thing, you know, it's funny. It's funny. Everybody thinks, you know, chiefs are great and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Yeah. Like we were cute. Since that legendary presser, the Jaguars are 15 and 54 as a football team. So that's not great. Uh, They, they have looked okay this year. They're actually 14th in DVOA. Doug Peterson certainly has been, a hugely positive turnaround from Urban Meyer. Yeah, that's not hard to do, but he's, yes, yeah. He's but... like third or fourth all time in Jags history in yep. coaching wins. Correct. But, and they have what, two, three? Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what to expect from this game. I, I think the Chiefs are probably going to win this one pretty handily, but what are what are kind of your initial impressions? Yeah, I'm kind of done with thinking the Chiefs are going to win handily as far as matchup on paper i i look at the, some of these games and i think man the chiefs are going to struggle and they blow somebody out like at the niners and and at the cardinals and stuff like that and then i think oh the colts oh the titans oh the jags uh you know these these are games that the chiefs should be winning 42 10 like i predicted in the pregame show and then they struggle so i don't know what to expect either i know it's the nfl i know it's any given sunday i know that if the chiefs did go out there and they're nine and a half point favorites against the jags if they struggle in this one you know nobody's really gonna i guess be that shocked but they should beat the jags they should beat them pretty handily they are clicking on offense even despite you know tennessee's got an amazing defense they're very very good one of the top probably three defenses in the nfl Putting 20 points up on them, 17 in regulation, is nothing to sniff about. It's it's not it's it's not that poor. You know, the Chiefs, their worst game on offense is 17 to 20 points, and that's great for an NFL team. So, you know, that being said, I feel like the Chiefs should be pretty freaking comfortable in this game, but I felt like that a lot before. The Chiefs in DVOA are sixth currently, which is a little bit surprising to me. I DVOA gets this way sometimes. Uh, Chiefs are first in offense, 23rd on defense, 14th in special teams. How about that? Really moving up the board in special teams, baby. The Jags are <laughs> Jags are 14th, 11th on offense, 22nd on defense, 13th on special teams. So the defense and special teams within one rank of each other. Yeah. The Chiefs offense is top one, and the Jags are right around 11th. So when the Chiefs have the ball, uh, we're talking about the number one ranked defense against the 22nd ranked or number one ranked offense against the 22nd ranked defense Chiefs should be able to score in this game. I mean, I, I think like you mentioned at the Titans, I think we're 10th last week in defensive DVOA when the chiefs matched up against them. But the Titans also are one of those teams like the Patriots where Mike Rabel played for many years. They're one of those teams that situationally, yeah, they can be the best defense in the league. You know, they can game plan, week to week to be the best defense in the league. You know, those yeah, it's almost it's almost are- like they pick out certain types of offenses and they destroy those types. And then there are other kinds that they're maybe can't game plan for and struggle. So their overall season numbers take a hit and you don't look at them and you say that's a top two or three defense because you're 10th or 11th. But when they when they've got you in their sights, when they think it's an important game and they game plan for you, they're they're unbelievable. 
The Jags are not that. They're 27th yeah. against the pass, uh, which obviously bodes extremely ill for them in this matchup. The Chiefs are going to be missing Hardman, as we mentioned. That's going to be interesting because even though the numbers don't jump off the page, it feels like this has been his best season as a Chief. Yeah, I agree uh, with that. I mean, he's so just to put that in perspective, he's averaging 37 yards a game this year. Um, his career average is 36.6. This year, he's at 37.1. Last year, he was at 40.8. But yeah, I, I agree. I, I think yeah. the the way that he's impacting Music. the game. Yeah, and and to to emphasize that, I mean, he already has six touchdowns, four rushing mm -hmm. or, or two rushing, four receiving. That's ties his career high, which he said sure. in his rookie year. He had six receiving touchdowns in his rookie year. These were his first two rushing touchdowns ever that he mm -hmm. had a couple of weeks ago against the Niners. And, you know, I, I agree. I just think the way that they have implemented him in the offense has been really productive. And he hasn't – there have been some plays. We definitely have talked about him in as a trash man yeah. a few times this season. Yeah. We still occasionally see the old Nicole Hardman – issues with rounding out routes or not finishing routes or not laying out for the ball. Right. But overall, he's been a good player this year. You know, I don't think it's going to matter that much in this game, having him yeah, absent. I agree. I think he's, you know, what the chiefs did to help Hardman is they relied on him less. And when you rely on him less, the, the mistakes aren't as amplified. You're able to kind of, you know, band-aid over some of his deficiencies because he's just not seeing the volume. But when he doesn't see the volume, that still means if you get him, we've said this a lot, if you guarantee him the football on a jet sweep, on an end around, on some type of, you know, pop pass or whatever, like you get him the ball in space right away, he's a dynamic NFL player. He makes yes. people miss. He's fast. He does good things with the football. They've done that a lot this year. And he shines during that role. That's a role that if he if the Chiefs don't have Hardman for this game, they certainly can manufacture touches for Kadarius Tony. They can manufacture touches, more touches for MVS or some. I mean, you know, they can they can figure out that element to their game if they don't have Hardman. But what they what's helped them a lot is that they're not relying on him to be their wide receiver two, opposite of Tyreek Hill, where you know, if if Hardman's not on his game, then there's just nothing on the left side of the field for Mahomes to throw. That's just that's how he was kind of in his second and third years where the, he was out there and they expected him to blow up and he never really did. Th that's not really the case anymore. And it's made him it's it's made him better because of it. It's made the the fan base look at him a little bit more positively. Uh, but in this case, yeah, I think. Slot Kadarius Tony in there. If the Chiefs hadn't traded for Kadoni, for for Kadoni, <laughs> Kadarius Tony, I uh, I would feel a little bit more apprehensive about losing a, a wide receiver piece right now. But you know there are touches to be had in this offense, and I'm excited to see what happens when Kadoni gets them. Kadoni, uh, yeah, <laughs> and I I think it's it's worth pointing out. We talked about the Chiefs injury situation. The only starter for the Jags is one of their starting safeties, Rayshon Jenkins. He has been ruled out, or excuse me, he has not been ruled out yet, but he did not practice this week with a concussion. He's in the concussion protocol. He's played 97% of the snaps for them on the season. So, you know, backup safety, your past defense is already bottom five in the league. You're going against Patrick Mahomes. In should, be a good, should be a good day for the Chiefs. Turning around to the other side of the ball, the Chiefs defense against the Jags offense is actually kind of a little bit, more interesting to me. I mean, 
obviously I want to watch the offense and I want to watch Pat <laughs> cook and I want to watch him continue to build on his MVP case. He's the MVP favorite now, yep. with everything going on with Josh Allen, both in terms of his poor play the last couple of weeks and the injury. I want to see if the chiefs defense can build on this. This was our first game back with, uh, with, I was about to say Kadarius Tony, but with Trent McDuffie and, you know, Trent McDuffie still is not allowed to catch in coverage over 45 coverage snaps. The Jags don't present that much more of a challenge than the week one Cardinals did, or cer certainly more than the Titans. The Titans didn't hardly present much of a challenge at all, no. but Trevor Lawrence is, is decent. You know, he's, he's probably a top 12 or 14 quarterback this year. Like he's been above average, you know, especially between the twenties, he struggled a little bit in the red zone, but, um, struggled a little bit at the end of games too, but you know, he's a competent player and sure, number one overall pick. He better be competent, right? <laughs> not far removed from, from number one overall pick, uh, yeah. stream hype status. And, you know, they've got, uh, they've got a couple of guys that, you know, can, can mix it up. They've got Marvin Jones. They've got uh Christian Kirk, you know, they've got some wide receivers, certainly in terms of, you know, compared to Malik Willis and the Titans wide receiver room, it's a little bit more of a challenge, but I just want to see, I just want to see the progress. Like I want to see, what the chiefs defense looks like now that they're pretty much back to full health. They don't, they don't have Frank Clark. This will be Frank's last game before he returns from his two game suspension. Yeah. But I want to see the pass rush. I want to see, you know, the, the coverage and the pass rush, they always operate together, right? Like the better your coverage is, the more it's going to help your pass rush. The, the mm -hmm. quicker your pass rush gets home, the less your guys have to cover, the longer your guys can cover, the more time you have to get to the quarterback, right? Like it's, it's always a give and take. And I think that the, you know, having all of the guys in the secondary back and pretty much at full strength, I think that it really is the key for the chiefs. We knew that the edge talent this year was not going to be that great. And we had some concerns about how this young defensive backfield was going to look. They've looked great. They've looked really good. Like, yeah, I think this might really be good. the best secondary the Chiefs have had since Mahomes became the starter. I mean, the only other one that you could really even maybe make an argument for would be 2019, yeah. the first year with Tyron. Mm -hmm. And the Chiefs were good against the past. That yeah, Ward and Breland, I mean, they were they were pretty solid, yeah. But I think the Chiefs' ceiling here is, is higher than it was in 2019, at least on the defensive backfield. And the fact that all these guys are rookies is super yeah. exciting. I just want to see how that continues to progress. I agree. Uh, and it's, it's a fun, interesting matchup against the Jaguars because, you know, they're coming off of a high of after a big losing streak and being down 17 to nothing, storming back and beating the Raiders, which I know is not a, a huge accomplishment for most teams, but you know, I'm sure the Jags loved it. They're three and six, which is kind of that halfway, like they can kind of squint and see if we really go on a run here and only drop a game or two, we could be back in the playoff chase before you know it. The AFC exactly. South is very competitive. Right. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Or very, I guess, competitive is pretty generous to call it. They're bad. All, all those teams are bad. So um, the Jags are certainly not going to back down here. They're, they're going to come into this game and think we absolutely can play with the Chiefs. The Chiefs just, you know, struggled to beat Malik Willis at home in prime time and, and got beat up a little bit. And I bet we can go in there and punch him in the mouth and, and see what happens. And Trevor Lawrence is not a guy that is used to losing a lot of football until he got to the NFL. So I'm sure, you know, I'm sure they're going to have a competent game plan. Doug Peterson wants to show Andy Reid that he's, he's got it, that he's, you know, can go off on his own and coach a team against Andy and come out with a victory. And 
Um, so I, I do think there's a lot of elements of this. Travis Etienne is playing outstanding football, a top five or six running back in the NFL right now. He's dynamic and they get him the ball a lot and he's definitely going to be able to make some chiefs miss. That's for damn sure. He makes everybody miss. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested very much so in chiefs defense versus Jaguars offense, because it's like this double momentum play where the Jags probably feel pretty good about themselves right now. You know, the chiefs defense feels great about how they finish that game. I mean, that was as dominant of a half of football that the chiefs defense has ever had. I mean, one first down and a half of football is almost unheard of in the NFL. And, and they definitely are going to go into this game with a lot of swag themselves. So uh, we'll be interested to kind of see how that side of the ball matches up. How are you feeling on uh, final score for this game? Uh, I will tell you after I respond to that point really quickly, because I, I did want to add something to the observation that you made there. Like, I think, you know, we as fans have a tendency to downplay how the defense played on Sunday to some extent because of obviously the the opponent being Malik Willis and the Titans right. and them not having any wide receivers and whatever. I get the sense. I'm, I don't know. I'm not in the locker room and I've never been a professional football player, but I get the <laughs> sense that players don't really care about that at all like if you as the defense go out and just completely impose your will on the other team and dominate another nfl team even yes. if even if it's malik willis playing in his second nfl start and you know their their third or their second and third leading receivers are running backs like Look, that the players don't care about that no like, that scenario happens more often than you'd think in the nfl it where does. you've got it a, a kind of inexperienced quarterback with not many weapons and those teams don't always have one first down and a half I Correct. Mean, it's, yeah. And rare, rarely do they. And, no. in, and in fact, the week before Malik Willis threw like eight passes and they won the scored game. 35 points against the Texans. 17, right? like, 17, 10. Really? Yeah. They beat him 17, 10. What? <laughs> yeah. 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 But oh he, it felt like they dominated that. Derek Henry they went did. Like 200. Yes. 200 and two it was his fourth consecutive <laughs> 200 yard rushing game against the Texans. They, you know, no, they scored seven or like a million points, <laughs> but I'm glad that you were able to fact check that. Sure. 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 Anything but the case. point is he was, he was a competent, capable winning quarterback the week before it's, it's an accomplishment. Anytime you hold any NFL team to a, shitty half like that and the Chiefs should feel great about it all right predictions uh you you are trying to weasel out of the the prediction game or or it sounds like you're going to temper your predictions you're, you're I am going to temper it yeah I'm, I'm done with 42 10 okay. that's all right. uh, well and I should say to be fair we were not the only people predicting blood no everybody fact, did <laughs> everyone Look at that game on paper across the Kansas City Chiefs podcasting network yeah ACSN guys yeah times hours guys Everybody was predicting a Chiefs blowout that Arrowhead game. Pride. Yep. 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 <laughs> uh, Vegas. Everybody. And it didn't happen. 23-17 Chiefs. I'm going to predict. I'm going to go with 27. Hmm, I like that 17 number. That's pretty good. I'm going to go with 27-17. So a little bit, little bit more for the Chiefs. A little bit more space for the Chiefs. We'll see what happens on Sunday. It's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. Mm-hmm.